Hey everybody, welcome to Black Mesa Radio. Today we are going to be talking about snail memories, dark matter, and DNA. I'm your host Josh with Chase, Seth, Nate, and Seth. <laughs> Let's get going. So, Chase has some stuff to talk about with Dark Matter. Um, hey, by the way, I want to acknowledge this is the first time we've had everybody here with this mixer. Like, all of us together with the new mixer. Yeah, that's true. I forgot. It's been a minute. I've got my uh, computer off today, so we don't have that little fan noise in the background, because <laughs> I noticed it last time and it bothered me. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah, it's faint, and I was listening for it, so I don't know if anybody else noticed, but it bothered I, I didn't. It definitely bothered me. So it's off. Now it's just quiet. Now it's just our voices. Let's talk about snail memory. So scientists, a couple years ago, this is a little old, but I just read a thing about it the other day and thought it was interesting. They were able to selectively erase certain memories of like this group of snails. And they're like, yeah, we think we can do this in any other mammal or animal. So basically, they think they have the ability to erase memories now. Did they talk about what the benefits of this might be? Like, why would science look into something like this? I think that's more of the, the whole Jurassic Park thing of uh, coulda and shoulda. Can, they're just, they're can just doing we it to see if they we? can. Though, I mean, I could see some potential positives, mostly negatives. But, but how would they get funding to do this? <clears throat> well, you could just be looking at how the brain works, right, and how it makes memories. Yeah. One way to know is, like, if you're in the right place is to... Uh, erase them all, all they have to do yeah. is tell their investors they're re- researching one thing and then once they figure it out erase the memory <laughs> of them actually doing that and then yeah refill in all the paperwork nice yeah. god that is right. that is yeah. evil and brilliant <laughs> so i mean i can see positive benefits say you have someone who has severe ptsd oh. uh and you Give, they have the option of like, well, we can go in and we can take out certain parts of this memory. Um, but at the same time. Yeah, but is that, are we ethically okay with that? Even in that situation? If the like, person volunteers for it, does that make it unethical? I don't know. That's euthanasia. I mean, you, euthanasia, a lot of people volunteer for that. What do you I don't, do? okay. I, I don't, have but, a, but it's still considered unethical to, well, I mean, to a lot of people, yeah. It's to, another area that people, yeah, discuss right. it. But, uh, like, I don't know, like, because your memories are a very big part of what makes you who you are. Very true. And so I think that that's pretty drastically altering. And the chances of getting it wrong. Oh, there goes your mother. Right. <laughs> oh, uh, that's yeah, not good. <laughs> and, like, or just like, even if you get the right memories, maybe it changes them in ways that you were not expecting. Uh, I guess that's true. And And one thing, if you change the memories... Would they still have, like, if somebody had severe PTSD, would they still have any of those symptoms? Like, because that does affect what is it, Josh, the hypothalamus, your fear sensory? Yeah, your hypothalamus is affected, your endocrine system is affected because cortisol levels affect everything in your body. Okay. So, technically, that fear would be there. You just wouldn't know exactly why that fear was would there. Would it? That's a good question, though. Would it, like, so erasing a memory. So, say you, what's a good way of doing this? If you crack some ice, like on a lake, and then it refreezes to where there's like cracks are still there. The crack is still there, right? So even if it's like glazed back over again, is that how it works with the mind? Like if we erase it? 
Well, that's what I was asking because obviously there's different parts of the brain and you may not have the the memory and know why you're afraid of something, but you still have this fear. I mean, kind of like with uh, little kids, like if something traumatic happened to them when they were really young, they don't have the ability to form memories yet, but the fear is still there because uh, the, the hypothalamus is, uh, I'm pretty sure that's what it is, is responsible for those fear, the fear center of the brain. I don't remember, honestly. Okay. Just being. But being I, but there, there is a Was different part of the brain. removed? Right, that's what. It, if so, if you're removing memories from the, you know, the cortex, you're not removing the mental memory, mental fear memory from the hypothalamus. What was the like method by which the scientists deleted the snail memory? I have no idea. They said that they were just editing parts of their brain, and I don't know what that lasers. means. Lasers. They black, probably just shot it with lasers. Black magic and occultic <laughs> tendencies. <laughs> They just got Those a are pencil and were just erasing <laughs> chunks. Dude, black magic is getting precise if, if that's what they use. That's, that might be the way forward. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, kind of on the brain thing here, I forgot that I'd read another article that talked about how that they have these chips that they are going to be able to implant in people's brains to fix their emotions, that they can control fix. their emotions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was kind of a weird way to put it, but... They said, you know, they can make people happier. They were trying to talk about with people with depression, like frequent and often depression. They can put these uh, little chips in your brain and you'll be happy. That to me, sounds that terrifying. Al- that almost sounds like a mental lobotomy in some way, doesn't it? Sounds like it? an episode of Black Mirror. Yeah, it definitely does. Well, depression is like a really terrible, miserable thing to go through. Like you, you're way better off Like if you can figure out a way to deal with it and like and get through it. If you, you know? can overcome it, then yeah, you can... And it's not about that, like I mean, I'm not saying not like true overcome is in like overpower. I just mean like find a way to find a way to live with it, like work through stuff. And I mean that's not always true because people really do have chemical imbalances. And like people, it's, it's, absolutely. Those types yeah. I mean, I guess it's sort of the same as people taking you know medications to fix chemical imbalances in the brain. Right. But I don't know something about an outside influence like that being able to put like a chip in your brain to control your emotions is really scary to me. Yeah, I mean, I mean. Uh, I think it's because we we're all raised in fear of the revelation and the mark of the beast, which is why we we're all scared of it. Personally, I just don't want people. That's so accurate in my brain. <laughs> yeah, for all of us at this table, I would bet. Yeah, I'll give you a little bit Maybe. of that. Yeah, I'll just, take. Yeah, I'll take a little bit of it. Maybe I don't like. I don't like the idea of other people's. Seth, I think your mic may not. Brain. I may not like this. it, but I do think that somehow being able to overcome obstacles is good for you. Like even if you do become depressed, being able to overcome it, whether you take medication or not, I think you are less likely to get it later on. Uh, when I was younger, I was more, more depressed, mostly in the college age of my life. Like I got really depressed, but nowadays I can like notice when it's coming on and uh, I find ways to deal with it myself uh, without having to. Yeah. yeah. And that's good for and sure. There's no, but- Go ahead. Um, and it's all just chemicals. So like when people say like it's a chemical imbalance in your brain, it's like, well, yeah, of course it is. Like it's all it's all chemicals. Everything's chemicals. But the thing is, like those chemicals, um, you can do a lot to help out the chemical balances in your brain by changing certain lifestyle things. Like definitely. Like f- for like running a mile a day works would work about as good for most people as taking some kind of like mood stabilizer. Um, there's a lot of things that you can do to help yourself. And I think you're better off. Of course, but like it's a it's a self compounding problem because like if you're depressed, you're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, but also hang on, it's you got to think like 
I, I don't want to go down the road of like, we'll just diet and exercise, we'll fix everything. Because like, I've known some very healthy no, people. No, yeah, but it might make like a 15% difference or a 20% yeah, difference. Yeah, it very well could. And but, like Chase saying like, well, I can feel it coming on and I'll just deal with it that way. I do agree that that's good for you, but it might not, not everybody will be able to well, like. yeah, everybody right. has different severities of pain. Some people have it so severe that they absolutely have to have these right. medications. Or it creeps on so slowly that they don't notice until they're like, oh, I'm just, I've been unhappy for I don't know how long. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I just, I just want to make sure we're not making broad generalizations about something that's like a very real disease. Well, it's just, I mean, it's anything like, just like your, uh, some type of physical disease. If you have like back issues, like some people are able to, you know, diet, exercise, stretching, you know, you can get over those even though it's a recurring issue. But some people have just debilitating back issues that like really nothing's going to do it except for surgery or medication of some sort. I mean, it's the same way with, with depression. But I, I think... A lot of people are still over medicated for physical illnesses well, just and also for everything. mental illnesses. Everybody's over medicated. Absolutely. And and being able to you can rewire your brain in a lot of different ways. And I think if you can overcome something, that is a way to rewire your brain. Uh, so that you, you go down a different pathway. Instead of going down the 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 bad path, you can go down the good path instead. Just like um, I've gotten out of the habit of working out all the time, like used to, like just pretty much five days a week I'd work out, but I've gotten out of the habit, so that pathway isn't there. So I'm just like, no, I can definitely skip today, which means I can skip the rest of the week. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think that uh, like you can definitely build habits like, and that will create, you know. Uh, neural pathways that make things easier or harder, just like muscle memory. Like the more you do something, easier it gets. Right. Um, but I don't think that necessarily, when it comes to depression, like you can't change chemicals necessarily. Um. So I, I don't want us to be saying that like by doing a repetitive thing, like we might be able to make those chemicals change. If that makes sense. I'm also know. not of the opinion that everything is 100% chemically. Based. I don't think so either, but I think a big part of it is. I think there's just different cases for different folks. Yeah, no, definitely. Like if you have a stressful person in your life that is causing you to constantly be unhappy, that's not a chemical. That's just like you got a frustrating outside influences. Yeah. You have a frustrating outside influence. So that's definitely not the case in that one, but it is, it is something that does happen. The problem is we can't just like, go in and be like, oh, you have a chemical imbalance. Like, you know. No, that's why that's why you have case management and you have psychologists and you have people that are there that can help you work through these things. Like, well, what's your diet like? Well, what's your life like? Well, yeah. Like I've worked with so many people before that they they just came in. They're like, I just like to get on some Prozac. And they I, I, that happens a lot with addicts, but it also happens with people that are just like, I don't know what else to do. You know, let's let's do this. And then we go, well, hang on. Let's look at your life and let's look at these seven to 10 things before we actually start just giving you medicine. And a good chunk of the time we'll find something that like, well, this needs to change and let's see what happens if you change this before we start just throwing things, throwing chemicals into your brain Yeah, yeah. and it can fix it. So I'm with you. So what was that uh, brain splicing thing you were going to talk about, Nathan? Yeah. Nathan had brain splicing a, going on. CRISPR is actually what it's called. Which you guys CRISPR. probably heard of. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But they use, they've used CRISPR recently to, uh, <clears throat> I don't know what CRISPR is. What is CRISPR? So like, it's a, 
it's a capability that E. coli already have. And like when E. coli are attacked by a virus, what they can do is they can they can basically like split the DNA part of the they can like split the DNA of the virus and then take a chunk of it and then save it onto their own DNA and like graft it onto their own DNA. And so they have a section of their DNA that's like that's just used for like recording what that virus was. They copy pasted DNA. Basically. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's copy paste. That's but it's biological copy paste. And so what scientists have figured out how to do is to take CRISPR and utilize it for like things that they want to do and not necessarily what the E. coli, e. coli would naturally do. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And what they've done is they've taken a, a video. It's a video of a guy riding a horse and it's like, it's just a few frames. Like it's not, you know, it's not HD or anything, obviously. And they've saved it to E. coli DNA. Is it that same video DNA. from like the, the very first Nickelodeon where the other guy riding the horse? I don't know. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? No. It's uh, it's like black and white and super grainy. Sounds vaguely familiar, Josh. Yeah, like the very first Nickelodeon, which is like this thing that you like spin, and it has like several frames like in a circle. Uh, they used to have one at the Science Museum. Like they I know, s- yeah, I know what you're talking about, Josh. Yeah. I think Nate might be talking about something different. I'm just saying. I, I think, think that'd just, be funny if they were just throwing it back. Yeah, it's a guy riding a horse yeah. like in profile like, on the side. Huh. And, like, okay. Anyway, sorry. Not like, important. He like takes a few like... Step, steps? Is that what you call it? I don't know. Locomotive strokes. I he thought, trots a few times. Have we not talked about CRISPR on the podcast before? It sounded really familiar when he said it. I just didn't okay. know what it was. I thought I'd brought it up. It sounds like something I would bring up. but And that's another one that's like has weird implications because oh, yeah. they're working on it really hard because like there's all these kind of like uh, there's all these diseases and stuff that can be fixed if you can just go in and like alter people's DNA. But at the same time, like people are talking about like designer babies and Stuff like that, which that's probably still pretty far out. But. Yes, because we talked about designer babies, I'm pretty sure. And, and Seth yeah. Turnage made the point that uh, you know it's going to change how insurance works. And if there might be something wrong with your baby, the insurance is going to say, oh, you have to change this. Or like, or you can't get coverage or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which would be crazy. Yeah. It would be like the movie, uh, was it Gattaca? I don't know. I definitely remember us talking about Gattaca. <laughs> and I think it was from that same conversation. Hmm. I like how you we we remember different parts about this conversation. Life, we're so I remember, close. I remember Gattaca. I remember that one. We're so close to just living in a cyberpunk novel. Where like you just have like these corporations that are like super powerful and kind of do whatever they want and like you have all this really weird technology that everybody has like grafted into their bodies and it's getting uh, really it's getting tr- weird. Truth is definitely stranger than fiction, weird, man. man. It's it's I never would have imagined that like a book like Snow Crash would have been like predictive. <laughs> Like, I don't know. Well, with them saying that... this right here? That? That's... Yeah, that's it. But the, that's the like, version I'm thinking about is, like, way more pixelated. That's, like, the, the old... That's, that's, that's like, the first... Uh, one of the first ever videos. Okay. Right, yeah. Oh, then that's appropriate. Like, that's cool. ever shot. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. We're talking about... We live in a, like, emerging steam... Oh. Or a cyberpunk world. And uh, I guess we have a lot less time to adjust to things now, since they say that knowledge is doubling every 18 months and that's just our current rate some people say that it's like every 12 months right now but i'm just going conservatively we'll say 18 months that's not a whole lot of time to adjust to all the things new that are happening when like it used to be like okay every 100 years knowledge would double i mean that's that's a whole generation has time to adjust to something are you quoting dan carlin right now no oh dude i was listening to dan carlin the other day and he made that exact same point I don't really listen to Dan Carlin. He's, I mean, not that I wouldn't. I'd he's just, pretty legit, man. I, yeah, I really enjoy his stuff. He was talking about how uh, technology has just jumped like so fast. And well, there's like, a what's the Seth might know. One, I don't know, but there's a there's a law that's like 
it's like every so many years the processing power doubles like the processing power that we're capable of, of creating doubles it's I, like i don't know the name of it but i know what you're talking it's about it's not like huge gaps it's like once a year like once every other year or something like, like that. well it's been, it's been cutting in half since we started it was like 22 years then 11 okay and that's like what five it is. years how or, often it takes for it to double or maybe i maybe i did that in reverse <laughs> i don't remember anyway whatever it is like it's 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 really crazy. The, bi- the big thing be- that I've seen that's holding back, or that I've heard about that's holding back, you know, computing power is uh, like memory access, like the speed at which you can access and actually perform calculations. Oh. Which with quantum computing, yeah, if oh, they yeah. get that mastered, will cut it down to basically zero. Because you won't have any type of bottleneck anymore. No. Yeah. And the yeah, and you don't have to deal with heat generation and. And f- through heat generation, loss of power. Well, if we get computing really inefficient, if we can start using uh, carbon nanotubes or sheets or something, then that heat won't be an issue. True. Yeah. yeah, but that's that's the amazing thing about the human brain. Like, kind of going back to that is like it's not so much that it's capable of such processing power because like we can get pretty close to the processing power of the brain. Like all like even now, like we just stack computers and stack computers. <laughs> Just like keep doing it, and you can do that. But like, what's amazing about the human brain is that it does it on so little energy. Like, it uses like net computer compared to a computer compared to the computer that like you plug into the wall, like Josh's computer right there. Like, you plug it into the wall when if your if your like computer's on or whatever, and you just like plug it in, like the uh-huh. lights dim. Like a computer uses an insane amount of energy; it's ridiculous. And the yeah. brain like uses a lot of your energy. Actually, so th- like is a, it a third of your energy? Like, it goes to a third of your calories. I feel like it's like thirty or forty percent is what I read. It's a lot, mm-hmm. but. It's it's nothing compared to like what a computer takes. It's only like a few watts, isn't it? Your brain know, or like a computer? Your brain. brain. Output? I really don't know. We can look it up. Hang yeah, on. Yeah, look it up. Continue talking while I look it up. Uh, I was done. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. The, uh, but we're still trying to figure out why the brain is so magical and why we can't put it into a computer just yet. Uh, you know, we've always talked about that thin slicing, how, and it might be kind of like quantum computing when maybe that gets going, maybe we'll get closer to how the brain actually works, being able to pull from multiple memory spots at once and be able to draw conclusions from that as a, as opposed to how they do it right now, which is just one bit at a time. But don't, don't you think we need to know how the brain actually does that before we can tell a computer to do it that way? Well, we might just be able to think of something to to work differently than the brain does, okay. but at the same efficiency. Like, it may not even be equivalent. Yeah. We may not even ever figure out how the brain works because it's weird to think that the brain is trying to figure out well, the brain or that's what we think. We may not ever be able to figure it out until we actually create something that's, that's that imitates it. Yeah. Because otherwise, how are we going to know? Or it might create that and then just be like, I don't know, but it works. <laughs> I've, I've heard some people talk about how the whole long-term memory and short-term memory isn't necessarily how the brain works and how some people yeah. just don't have short-term memory. It's all long-term memory, and it's it's just there somewhere. Or, uh, Anyways, the, the, some people are saying now that the, the whole computer idea of how the brain works is just not, not going to cut it. There's just more to it. Yeah, that makes sense because like, biology is not – the way the brain works isn't binary. Like, it's not this or that. It's like, well, you have short-term memory and long-term memory and medium memory and short-medium memory and long-medium <laughs> memory. And then, like, you can just keep dissecting it and keep dissecting it all you want. But, like, you know, it's it's just analogous terms that we use to... Yeah. But it does 
you like, for instance, like if you're studying for something, like if you study like really hard today and then you take the test tomorrow, you'll do okay. Probably you actually do really well because cramming actually works pretty good in the short term. But like if you study really hard today and then you study really hard again five days from now and you take the test, like you've assimilated, you'll assimilate way more knowledge and you'll do better on your test yeah. because you've combined the long term with the short term. Even well, also sleeping, it doesn't actually work that way. But sleeping yeah. helps commit, thing to mem- commit things to memory also. We've yeah. talked about this before, so right. I'm not going to jump back into that, but that's a big so, part of it too. So I've kind of been thinking about this. Uh, hang on, real quick before Chase jumps into that. Uh, you guys ask what like the power generation was. So it says the average power consumption of a typical human is 100 watts, and the brain consumes 20% of that, making the brain around 20 watts. 20 watts. Like, that, like that's how much it's using. What, like per day? Yeah. Daily. I was about to say, what's On the a daily basis. 20 watts daily? Yeah. Dude, that's, a, <laughs> that's so crazy. Oh quite God. a bit. Anyway, sorry, go ahead, Chase. That's not quite a bit. That's like nothing compared to like what compared to what it's doing. Oh, I don't know electricity at all. <laughs> and controlling I was like your, neat. Yeah, sounds controlling like all your bodily functions and everything like that. That's amazing. At twenty watts a day. Yeah. That's amazing. And yeah, like super for, for nothing reference, like your video card in there on your computer probably runs 150, 160 watts. Oh, okay. That's that is or more. Impressive. Yeah. Just, cool. just I for that something. little process. So what if we could up the wattage of the brain? You might be onto something here. It might no, that's, explode. That's literally yes. what would happen. Oh, right. They would explode. <laughs> oh, okay. Splat. Uh, so I, I was thinking about how the brain works. It just I, gets uh, really hot. Like, oh, my head is so Oh, hot. I feel like you'd die <laughs> pretty pretty quickly yeah. if that happens. Tesla gave himself daily doses of electricity. He said he couldn't live without it or else he'd feel really bad. He would just hook himself up and let it flow through him. <laughs> that sounds like something Tesla would say. That dude was crazy. I don't think he was human, personally. I think he came here to like learn about us and was like, oh, this is just something that I do. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he was a janitor on his planet that just like, got sent over here. Like, but their planet's so advanced that like he was able to figure out all this crap before we did. Like, I could, There was a Futurama yeah. episode about that. About that exact same thing with Tesla? It was, it was with Da Vinci. Oh. Like, he was... Just an absolute idiot on his planet, and they end up finding it, and everybody's super smart and making fun of him because he's like so simple. That's hilarious. A couple weeks ago, I, I kind of had the thought that, or let me start over, that the mind is not a part of the brain necessarily; that they're two separate entities. And we talked about, you know, how the the mind is just, uh, or the brain is just a machine that a ghost can operate. Uh, what one psychologist said. And that perhaps we may never understand how the mind works or the brain works because what if the brain or the mind also exists in one of the six dimensions that we can't uh, readily access? Since we live in four dimensions, maybe we have trouble finding out what it is because it also exists on a higher plane or a different dimension. I mean, yeah, that's cool. There's no way to prove that. No. So, I was say, I like that idea, but you neat. could say that about a lot of the things we don't understand. Yeah, gravity, time. Which is what they do. Magnets. <laughs> They're Magnets. like, oh, it's because, it, it's because it comes from this other universe. Yeah. Like, that's, you're like, prove it. They're Isn't like, that Scientology? <laughs> I don't think so. Not exactly. No. Oh, they had a, I was at Half Price Books the other day, and you're like, you know how at the front, have you guys ever been in there? Yeah. yeah. You know how at the front books. of Half Price Books, like, they have all, like, the old books and, like, yeah. rare, rare stuff. They had one, it was, like, L. Ron Hubbard. It was like an old school, like L. Ron Hubbard book. I forget what it was called now, but it was. It was was pretty, it Diametrics? It wasn't Diametrics, but it was like, it you know it claimed to be like real scientific or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, man, I would love to like just flip through that. It'd be hilarious. That guy had some. That guy was 
Ironically know, like, awesome. Like how many people have gone into Scientology makes me worried to read it. Like if I'm going to read this, I'm going to like get sucked into <laughs> oh, this. No, it's just a bunch of psychobabble. I've read a good chunk of diametrics and it's like he took a, a lot of Freudian <laughs> stuff, a lot of Jungian stuff and a lot of self-help stuff and just kind of hodgepodge it all together. Plus religion. and Yeah. And then added a religion aspect to it. And, and it's just one of the ways they get people is they get people who are like in trouble, you know, like a, they're they're looking for something exactly, okay. and they they like have really not aggressive but very persuasive tactics on getting people to come and stuff, and then they kind of hook you and basically brainwash you. Um, yeah, so I would love to read uh, some old L. Ron Hubbard books just because I enjoyed. Has make, anybody read any of Diametrics his, the whole time? Is science fiction stuff? Middle of a sentence, and Chase is just like blah 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 blah. <laughs> I tried reading yeah. uh, Battlefield Earth. But it wasn't that good, so I stopped. <laughs> yeah, I've never read any of it. I saw the movie and I said, I'm not going to read that book. Because somebody told me, like, I, oh, I know who it was. My friend Nate. He told me, the guy guy I used to work with, he uh, he was super into sci-fi. And I was he was talking about the Battlefield Earth movie one time. And he was like, have you read the book? And I was like, no. He's like, the book's actually pretty good. He's like, the movie's terrible, but you should read the book. And, I, and it's like this thick. And I was like, man, oh this thing's going to have to be good. And I, <laughs> I like, I got maybe... A fifth of the way or a fourth of the way into it, and like, yeah, no, couldn't do it. Just wasn't that good. But I, to be fair, I start a lot of books and don't finish them. So, well, some books are just not worth reading, though. Like, yeah. I, I get that. Like, there's only so much time you have in your life. You might as well read what you enjoy. If it's fiction, if you're reading nonfiction, that might be a little bit different story. But yeah, and like fiction, you should, just... you should read things that challenge you. But yeah. you should also read there, things that interest you. There's definitely you. something to be said of reading stuff that challenges you and forces you to. But it has to challenge you, and it has to interest you. If it doesn't do both, yeah. then there's no point. Yeah. But yeah, Battlefield Earth, not that great. <laughs> At least I didn't think so. Elron Hubbard, also not that great. He was a really terrible uh, naval captain. He When he was like, I think like he was in charge of like a submarine or something like that, and he told him to like fire on some random island. And like he almost got he almost got in the United States on like a miniature war with like I forget who it was now, but it was like a yeah he was just really incompetent at his job, which makes me think like I don't know like why did you listen to somebody who's like he's just I don't was know was he just like a smooth talker and like was able to talk his way up the ladder and probably so I, I don't guess. know man I've watched some interviews with him and he's like he's definitely energetic but he's also super creepy he's got this charisma about him but like some people don't see past it. Is it that like kind know. of creepy that like because you know who he is so you can't it's hard not to see it that way or is it I don't know I can't be objective because I I know like yeah do you get like this Hitler feeling like man that's a really good speech and it's like drawing me in <laughs> is he I can't is, say uh, that I ever responded is that, that the one Hitler. they based the master off of was it Elrond Hubbard or is it someone else oh man I feel like it was I feel like it was yeah. I think it was the master. That's an interesting. Yeah, film. because they go on a boat and stuff like that. Yeah, Elrond Hubbard was super. That was okay. Yeah, interesting. Because the they call their like there's like a admiralty of uh, of Scientology. I forget what they call it now, but it's like they use a lot of like military terms like in their in their like hierarchy oh, and yeah, stuff, too. and their uniforms look like military uniforms. Yeah, it's weird. Dude, okay, so like uh, Joe Rogan had a like mushroom expert on recently. I forget the guy's name right now. A mushroom expert. That's something. Yeah, he like he that's what he studied. He was a mycologist. Like he studied because like after listening to him talk, I'm like, dude, mushrooms are a big deal. Like fungi is like what he was into. So like molds and stuff like that. And soil is like a large percentage of all soil is like fungus. 
And fungus is extremely important in like the health of like crops and trees and Breaking things like down. that. Yeah. yeah, it's so important. But anyway, he was he was interesting, but he had like a really wet had a wet voice. Wet voice sounds weird, but like yeah, like No, that's that's what it is though, right? Like how else we It sounded that? like he was you know how like when you when you drink something and then like you want to say something, so you put your drink down and then like start to talk and you get that like <laughs> that like that wet smack? Like it sounded like that a lot. Like I thought he was drinking something on the podcast. That's why I don't listen to NPR anymore, because like a good chunk of their people are like <laughs> just really wet. And I'm just like Never let us have. it drives me crazy. Yeah. Like because there's a lot of good stuff on NPR, but I'm just like, I can't I can't do it. I also had like I've had three or four podcasts that I had to stop listening to because of that very reason. Because it just it drives me crazy. How does that happen? How do you get rid of it? You swallow. You so s- somebody's just way you put too sp- active salivary glands. Yeah, no, you really, that's spittoon, all it is. You put a spittoon in the room, and it's like- just it's just a lot of saliva. I had a manager one time that had a really like super wet voice. We were in a meeting, and her boss goes, "Could you just like swallow, please?" And she goes, "What?" And she's like, "You sound like you have a mouthful of spit." And like it really embarrassed her. And I was like, that was probably not the appropriate way to do that. But yeah, probably not. She did though. <laughs> I would have had a hard time not laughing at that though. No, it was pretty like, you know that vibe you get when someone says something really awkward. Like the whole oh, room yeah. was kind of like, okay, that was weird. <laughs> that was uncomfortable. <laughs> so yeah, um, what was the other thing you want to talk about, Chase? With like uh, dark matter and well, there are a couple how things. You don't believe uh, it. Okay, so yeah, we can talk about dark matter. There's been several articles that have come out recently about dark matter, how we have spent more money trying to find dark matter than on anything else, just like billions of dollars trying to figure this out, and we have had zero luck whatsoever. And uh, there's been one scientist who said that we should... Can you? Ex- sorry, I'm not trying to interrupt you, but can you explain a little bit, because I'm still hazy on the whole thing, as it sounds like a lot of people are. Like, what is a little bit of the history of dark matter and, like, why people think it exists and why they're looking for it and stuff like that? I got this one. So, at one point, we contemplated the mass of the universe in the 80s or 70s. And basically, what we figured out is that it weighs more than it should. Um, and so, to account for... No, yes, it, there wasn't enough matter in the universe. To account for the weight. To account for the, the, the mass. gravity. Yeah, that, there wasn't enough mass. That's, to what, he's, for the that's what he's saying. Okay, maybe I just heard it wrong. Basically, like you're using different words, but I think you mean the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not using the scientific ways. I'm just saying, like, for the way I understood it was like we have more mass than we have like physical stuff to account for it, and so they were like, we stuff, gotta, stuff that we can detect and see. Jason's squinting at me. Just describe it how you're going to describe it. <laughs> um, so there is not enough matter in the universe to account for as much gravity. As we measure, so they, how do we how do we know how much gravity is in the universe? Well, they try and measure it uh, here on the Earth based on the way that like light behaves through the vacuum of space. There's a and, bunch of factors, from what I've understood. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you can just measure gravity by you know how fast something falls towards something. Oh, so you mean like you could just look at the Earth and be like, the Earth is way too big, or not big enough for the amount yeah, of gravity that's Newton, on it. Yeah, because Newton had the gravitational formula down, you know, several hundred big years G. ago. Right. So. Uh, okay, so you can just look at, yeah, you could look at like one body in space. You don't have to know about like all of the universe. That's what I was thinking. So I was like, how are they measuring the whole the amount of gravity? And if you can, if you can measure uh, the, whatever, the volume of the Earth, uh, you can. Yeah, you I'm know, with you. Okay. I'm with you now. I'm, I'm okay. I'm with you. On that part. And then dark matter comes in as an explanation because so oh, they said there, there has yeah, to be there, something. There should be more mass, but they can't find it. So they called it dark matter. And it was just a placeholder at the time. 
It um, still is, technically. Right, right. So it's just a placeholder. And so they're like, well, more evidence has come out that we cannot account for why galaxies hold together. So they assumed that there must be um, extra mass out there that can account for the gravity that is necessary to keep galaxies spiraling together in on themselves. Or else they would just fling out into space. So they have this dark matter. And so they assumed, okay, it has to exist. So we're going to spend all this money to find these particles. And that's why they ramped up the Large Hadron Collider faster than it's ever been. They, you know, remodeled it. They added stuff so we could really crank it up. And they didn't find what they thought would be dark matter or an extra, uh, extra mass or extra dark energy or anything like that. So where's the gravity coming from? It's, uh, it's not gravity, in my opinion. And there's, so the scientist was saying that we probably are looking in the wrong places. We need to account for this extra force holding galaxies together on stuff that already exists. And I believe that's part of the electric universe, which is uh, just the idea that it's like different charges. Right, right, exactly. Together. Because yeah. plasma is uh, ionic forms of gases, which is 98% of the known universe is in, sorry, plasma form. And plasma, or, or let's just say ions in general, uh, for the same amount of mass or the you know, same particle size, let's say, you get. 10 to the 36 times more strength than gravity itself. So gravity pretty much plays a nil role in a large universe. Does that make sense? So 10 to the 36 zeros is massive, right? More yeah. bigger or yeah, more, uh, more strength than gravity itself. So gravity pr pretty much plays no role. That's the, the sun is made out of plasma. Uh, and like all the dust clouds are 98% plasma. So we don't, we really don't need to account for it by gravity because it doesn't play much of a role at all. In fact, you could just say it plays no role in comparison. So now, uh, and the reason this has been so hard is because it's also a dust cloud in the galaxy, and we don't know how charge transfers through these um, different states of matter. Like if you put a charge of electricity through water, you can't really trace it. And it's the same way with these yeah. dust clouds that exist. And that's uh, kind of goes into my next point, uh, something that I read about in our solar system itself. We are in a dust cloud of an old supernova and that we're actually moving out of uh, one of the bands of this dust cloud and we're getting into a, a less dense zone. And that's allowing for a faster heat transfer, faster uh, electrical transfers, and we talked about how... And heat is transferring faster and electricity is moving faster? Yes. By how much? Uh, I Three. don't know. <laughs> also, what's the time frame on this moving into a different band? Uh, well, we've already started moving out of this. Uh, okay. so, so we're already getting less less dense. But I think they said within like 50 years, we would just be completely out of it. Yeah, that's a lot quicker than I would have expected. Yeah. So, uh, so it, well, yeah, we're going really fast. Suddenly. We're like, I'm not trying to be facetious. And the universe no, I know, is really but, big. Though, but yeah, that's too. the point. The universe is really Everything, big. So even yeah. if we're moving out of it. I guess that's true. Don't know yeah. how big Sorry, that dumb is. statement by me. Yeah, the Electric Universe theory is, is, is definitely intriguing. It's something I've looked at a little bit. And while it's maybe not proven yet, it doesn't sound like... I mean, while, I mean, I know it's like we're hugely invested in it. So like we're going to 
probably keep going in that direction for a long time. It doesn't sound like dark well, matter's really been proven either. Well, we had, we had talked. I don't about think it either. It sounds like all we know is like, well, there's something happening, and we don't really get it. But well, well, I don't I'm think thinking, either theory fully explains yeah, it. Yeah, it's talking about this stuff where I realize how little we actually know. Yeah, <laughs> well, and how little true. I definitely actually know. Yeah. <laughs> like part of the point was if, I'm already at the end of myself. If here. there's so much, <laughs> so much dust in the universe, like there's an impedance to that. Just like in water, like water has a certain resistivity. So uh, ohms, different ohms. So we may not be getting the full amount of force that we think is being sent through the universe because we're in this dust cloud. And so we, we, we have falsely read um, how much electricity or how much energy is out there because we're in this cloud. Moving out of this cloud, we might start to see uh, a little bit different. But we also haven't been in like the outer space outside the bands of a galaxy, and we never will be. We don't know how energy transfers out there. So that yeah, like yeah. just like you said, like there's so much that we have just no idea. We're in this like almost like this little greenhouse yeah. and we have no idea how the real universe actually exists. Yeah, well I mean, there's a lot of speculation that Newtonian physics could just go out the window when you leave our galaxy. Well, yeah, Newtonian physics is an old way of explaining things and we have the Maxwell's equations mm-hmm. from the uh 1900s that explain the world from electronic point of view mm-hmm. and that is actually a lot more accurate and also a lot more recent so uh, i don't know why we still can hold to newton even though yeah. he's awesome that that but. ties back into what we were talking about earlier about how quickly um information is growing yeah. at this point because like newtonian physics were the the known law of the land for what 500 years four or five hundred years and then mm-hmm. you know <clears throat> and, and then einstein and relativity and then that much of what he came up even with within a hundred years from that really reliable yeah it's true it's absurd how smart that guy was for sure yeah but I so try, I, mean, I wouldn't turn interrupt you I'm no sorry. but I, I mean i was just saying like you know we went one mostly unquestioned model for what three four five hundred years until we got to newton and relativity and then that it's been basically a hundred years before it's and it's already being going through that same process yeah Crazy, man. <laughs> Crazy. Well, what, I have nothing to say on this topic anymore. What, Sorry. Yeah. I want to interject, but I have nothing I'm to not, say. I'm not the, well-versed on it either. Also, like, the dark matter and dark right. energy, like, it's supposed to be the majority of matter and energy in the universe. Yeah. And the fact that we can't detect it, even though it's the majority, is really weird. I mean, not to say that it's impossible. It's just strange. But also, uh, from the Big Bang Theory, they say, okay, at this point, there had to have been this much dark matter or dark energy. And then right here, it had to spike like 500 times more than it would be. And then it has to disappear for a while in order for their model of the universe to exist. And it's like, okay, you can't just have this incontiguous uh, I mean, it definitely, ramp and disappearing of energy. Talking about it that way definitely makes it feel like a placeholder for something we don't yeah. know why. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. that's what it is. But you also have to think that like for – it all doesn't have to be anywhere like say dark matter is just like one big blob. It's not, but say it was like, it doesn't have to be evenly distributed like all around the universe. It can be in one place or like just like nowhere near us, you know? Although there was this thing I was reading about uh, saying that they think that there's like, (laughs) they described it as a glob of dark matter just beyond the moon. And I was like, how do we, how do we, one, how do you detect that? Where where did you read that? (laughs) I was in, hang on, I can find it again. It's on that flat earth 
thing. Glob <laughs> of dark matter. Did you see the thing where uh, Elon Musk tweeted, why isn't there a flat Mars society? And then the flat Earth society like tweeted back to him. And they're like, because Mars has been proven for it to be round. He's like, thank you for asking. Have a great day. <laughs> this is freaking man, hilarious, Did that man. guy ever blast himself off? The flat Earth guy with his steam-powered rocket? Do you not, not hear it? Oh, you hear about I don't that? Know if he has not yet. About that. He hasn't yet. Though. Oh, he, he was. He got stopped on his first day. He nearly he was died. The last launch a homemade steam-powered rocket to somehow prove that the Earth is flat. He's going to go up in the rocket. Oh yeah. Oh God bless him. Oh, yeah. God bless him. I don't know how it would prove it. I, I never got to that point. I, I, I didn't understand. Well, I read it a bit, but it was just weird nonsense babble about it's how our, this proves it because of you know the. Basically, he was going to disprove like the the curvature and the arc and oh, okay. all, and it's like. What? Did somebody say he got stopped? Yeah, he got stopped because the because no the, one likes fun. The apparently. local uh, the local law enforcement was like, "You are going to kill yourself, and we can't allow you to do this." But to him, this was just proof that the Earth oh is flat. Oh my gosh, man! They should have just let. What him if do he's it. right just... though? Oh my god! Like even if he does die, like, <laughs> so what if he's right? That'd be. Like... It'd be the most amazing discovery of all time, and that dude just did it in a steam-powered rocket. That'd be an incredible story, and your town would be famous forever. People would visit it. Let him do it. Let him do it. Like He knows what he's signing up for. As long as he doesn't he knows fall that on if, anybody else. I don't think he does. Like, he doesn't think the Earth is round. He knows that if he's wrong, he's going to die. But he had to And have, he's willing to take that risk? He had to have gotten at That's least really a, courageous. a parachute or something. He doesn't just believe that you know he's just going to go up there and just float forever. I, I mean, what? I don't, yeah, I don't know. He had to have had some type of parachute dude i don't man to some degree i think like i don't know i don't know how far i would take it but to some degree i think like you should just let people do stuff like that <laughs> like, should we let people hang on let's look at themselves? it <laughs> i mean yeah i do <laughs> if it's something like that for sure it's for science hey that website where that article came from was arstechnica.com and uh it's like a that's a halfway legitimate website, at least the yeah, little it's bit a pretty, that I've looked at. It's it. a pretty old article, though. I didn't look at the date when I read it because it's from 2015. A glob of dark matter on the other side of the moon just didn't sound very uh, scientific. It says a huge glob of dark matter lies just beyond the moon, and I'm not going to read the whole article to you guys, but that sounds basically they're just saying like, "Hey, we found some evidence," but like I said, it's from 2015, so I don't know. That sounds made up. Yeah, it does sound made up. <laughs> but again, saying you ask where I read it, that's where I read it. <laughs> I've been. To, I've read several articles on there. That website's usually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Are you but sure yeah, it's that, not the that companion dude. fake site, Ars Technica? <laughs> Ars Technica. <laughs> it's like their onion version. That's A R S E Technica. Yeah. Yeah, it's that one. Um, I don't know what else. What else we got today? Um, I don't know. There was another guy who decided that he was going to run across the Atlantic Ocean, and how he was going to do it is he had this like uh, it was like a cylinder that like floated. And then, so imagine like you have a cylinder and it rotates. So he'd be able to stand in the middle and run on it and like propel himself through the water that way. Oh, yeah. Okay. So not like a bubble, not like one of those that you see at the mall where they have. No, this was a cylinder. Okay. And then it had a hammock that hung on the inside and that's how he was going to sleep at night. So like from end to end, you could hang a hammock and then like he could take the hammock down when he needed to run and he could run (laughs) and he was going to run across the Antelope Ocean. I don't think he ever did it, but he got like pretty far out there and the Coast Guard stopped him and stuff. But like the whole time I was thinking like, just let him do it. Like, what? Like, that is so far. Like, what if he starves? To, so what if he starved to death? Like, uh, I mean, yeah, that would suck. So he didn't, be wait, sad, no, he didn't like, account for like food and water and stuff. He didn't have like a companion boat or anything. No, and, like he definitely he had a way of like getting food or like catching fish or I don't know something. Oh, like that. that's not even kind of reliable it was, though. Yeah, I mean, it was halfway. It was it wasn't as as harebrained as I'm like making it sound right. Where now, did where did was, he start from? Like, where did he just like the east coast of the United States? Do you know, but you don't know. 
I don't remember where. Okay. So I was about to say, if you're going to do an ocean, the out, Pacific like, is the one to do, or the Atlantic. Sorry. Oh, I was yeah. going to say, it's like, is it? Yeah. yeah. You'd definitely no. be way cooler if you could do the Pacific. Yeah. <laughs> a third I have, of the Earth. I have I the like utmost just, respect for people that do that. Like the ones that are like, I swam the Atlantic or I swam the Pacific. Nobody swam the Atlantic. Well, no one has done that, literally. No one's ever swam it? No. No. Are you sure? Yes. Yes. Are you sure? Yes. People have swam the English Channel. Right, which and is like other other huge or... bodies of water, but I don't think any people ever... may have definitely not the ocean. If someone has swam the Atlantic Ocean, what they were doing is they would get out of a boat and then they would swim, and then the boat would pick them up and they'd stop for the night, and they'd get out of yeah. a boat and swim. But I doubt anybody's ever done that. Benoit Lecomte, which is the one I was thinking of, and I had no idea how to say his name, is a is a guy who swam it in 1998. From He's... where to where? Because it's not equidistant and. I don't know. Hang on, hang on. I'll, I'll, give me a second. Let me open his Wikipedia page. Okay. I mean, sure. I mean, I guess I was wrong because I guess he technically did do he it. He did it in 73 days with eight hours spent swimming each day. And oh, so about he... two to four hours of, from about in sessions of about two to four hours in length. He was accompanied by a crew aboard three sailboats. Right. And he would just... rest and eat between them. And right. Then... So he didn't really swim. And I just looked it up. The longest <laughs> open water like, swim you... was set by... What do you guys that's want? still Velgico. Yeah, that is definitely Rogosic, still hardcore. I'm not taking anything away from him, but it's like who swam across the Adriatic Sea. That was the longest, like, unassisted open water, open unassisted. water swim. Wow. Whoa. I don't get how you guys aren't baller. giving this dude credit, dude. I'm giving him credit, I mean, but that's not. I don't do count that as swimming across the ocean. Oh, there's actually a section called controversy. Controversy. It says since there is no standard <laughs> definition of the feat of swimming across the Atlantic, <laughs> there is uncertainty about there the distance go. that Lecomte. Uh, actually covered swimming in the water rather than riding in a boat, according to the yeah, Rocky Mountain News. But you could use you could use GPS to figure that out. At least now you could. Nowadays you could, but you'd have yeah, to have 98. a good anchor. But you're not gonna have an anchor in the, like the middle of in the, the middle ocean. of the ocean. No, but you have, if you have sat nav, like you can figure out where you were and like yeah. drive back to that point because you're pin. only gonna drift a certain amount. Yeah. And then just like you know, chuck be, them in. That would be really tough, though. I'm just saying, you, there's no way to po- like. You have to get out of the water at some point, or your skin will start to fall off. It's true. Yeah. Like after a certain point. Right. Which is why we were saying it's not possible to swim the ocean. <laughs> but he did sort of. Ish. What you do is you just you I, I swim. Will give you sort of. You swim with like a like a raft tied to you, <laughs> and then just flip over. <laughs> <laughs> there have been people like that would just paddle across it. Yeah. There. That one uh, old British guy just did that it ripped again dude. For like yeah. The okay. We time. were talking about that then. Yeah. Yeah. That dude shredded. That dude is shredded. Wait. I thought they had to get him. He had like a a, a seaworthy uh, rowboat, but he got so far out and like he got caught in a storm. This is a different guy, out. Chase. Oh, okay. This yeah. guy. This guy's done it like two or three times. Oh, okay. He's like a shredded. He looks like Larry Little, but like jacked. <laughs> like P ninety X. He has P ninety X. Larry Little. He has this big blue kayak. That he has like a big stack of food in the back, and he did it by like he soloed it like with no crew or anybody. Oh wow, it's crazy. Humans are amazing to me. It's amazing yeah. what you actually can do if you put your mind to it. I just don't have that mental capacity to put my mind to it. The girl that won the Moab, there's a foot race in uh, Utah she called is the Moab. A monster. Yeah, she was on the Joe Rogan podcast. It's it's my whole life, but. <laughs> Uh, she ran it in like it was like two hundred and forty something miles, and she did it in like fifty two hours. I feel like yeah, good grief. Yeah, she set the record. She slept a total of like twenty one minutes. She took a one minute nap and a twenty minute Jesus. nap. Yeah, wait, one minute nap that doesn't even count. She said she said she was so tired that she was like like just stumbling. She's like gonna hurt herself, and so the guy because like at different legs, like you can have people run with you, like spotters or whatever. Gotcha. Yeah, and uh, 
he was like, okay, you got to lay down. And she was like, okay, one minute. And he was like, whatever. Yeah, just lay there for a minute. And so she like goes to sleep and she said she like dreamed and like it was like super deep sleep because she was so exhausted. And then he like wakes her up and she was pissed at him. She was like, she couldn't believe she like, he like let her sleep that long. She thought she must've been asleep for like a really long time. <laughs> and then he was like, you were literally asleep for one minute. And she's like, okay, let's go. Like we got a race to win. Yeah. It was like 45 minutes and he just changed the time. At one point in the race, she went blind oh, and wow. like she just kind of stumbled forward, but didn't stop. She was like, I just got to keep going. And so she yeah. just did like her. It's like, when you almost get knocked out and your vision goes, Whoop, or yeah, like you yeah. almost yep. pass out from like standing up too fast. Yeah, yeah, it's that. It was it was like that. Like it just slowly started closing in on her. Oh jeez. Yeah, amazing stuff, man. I don't I don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm I'm just serious. Like you you make me go without sleep and like I can't do anything. Like when I actually hear stories about things like this, it doesn't inspire me. It makes me want to go home and do nothing. It's like oh that's exhausting. <laughs> oh god, man, that story wore me out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. I enjoy this life. I'm gonna go play video games. Yeah, no, man, I'm super weak. <laughs> Looking every way. I don't know. It's a. Uh, I think it's inspiring, personally. Like, I think that oh, she has. Yeah, she might have something wrong with her. Uh, like because everybody's saying like, oh man, she's got all this endurance. I'm like, or she's broken. Like, because there's something when your body is like blinding you, saying stop moving and just sit down, and you're like, nah, I'll push through, and like. Maybe there's something wrong with you. Maybe and sure, it's not. just like mechanically, your body has to be ready to do that. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna run 240 miles, like no matter how mentally tough I am. Right. Well, and a lot of those people are freaks of nature, anyways. Like, like their genetics are just so in, like, able to run like that. Not everybody can do that. Like, and they I mean, have recovery rates that are way higher than anybody else. Look at people like Michael Phelps with his weird muscles that right, right. don't collect. The, and he has uh, like a super long torso with short legs that is like supposed to be incredible for swimming. Long arms, long torso, short legs. Everything about him. I know that for me personally, like when I was trying to get ready for the uh, the more police department, uh, like marathon, they're not marathon, the um, tryouts that I did like two years ago. I ran for two months straight daily. I would run two miles a day and I didn't improve even slightly on speed. Like <laughs> I've, I've always been slow. Like huh. I don't know if it's because my legs are short or if it's just whatever, like my endurance kicked up. Like I could run longer amounts of time, but That's I couldn't run. I couldn't run faster. Your body's built in favor oh, of endurance. Well, I mean, yeah. Technically you can't, it's really hard to improve like your, your body's top speed anyways. Yeah. Well, I, that's the thing. Like I couldn't get, I went from, I was trying to get to a 12 minute. It had to do two miles in 12 minutes is what it was. And I got to where I could do it in about 13, but I could never, I, I hit a point that was like, 13 minutes, like 30 seconds, and I could not get under that. Oh. And then yeah. at the actual tryout, I got it was, I was over by like I think eight seconds, which is the fastest right. I'd ever done it. And I still, well, it still wasn't fast enough. Like they were like, nope, sorry. That seems like in 12 minutes is really fast for any normal person. All the guys trying, like, I felt like I was in pretty good shape at that time when I did it. And I got there and I was like, I'm not in good shape. These guys are all like ex Marines. Like everybody was like six foot five and shredded. And I was like, whoo. Here's yeah. dumpy little Josh. <laughs> like I look, look like a potato with legs out there with all these like Greek gods. So, uh, yeah, but yeah. that's something that coaches always say is like you can't you can't coach speed. Mm-hmm. I said that wrong. I was eight seconds off on the sprint. I, I did the. I managed to get the twelve minute, and I was like right there. I was almost oh, okay. at thirteen minutes, um, but I was within twelve minutes. Um, but immediately after finishing that, like I am dead. And they go, "All right, here's the three hundred meter sprint. Go." 
And yeah, I, they should I have did. had you do the sprint beforehand. That's just not how you do things. But so, well, whatever. Well, if if I had if I had made the time on the sprint, which I didn't, if I had made the time on the sprint immediately after that, you had to do the, like a hundred burpees, push-ups, and then sit-ups, oh. like all within a certain amount of time. That just it wasn't possible. I mean, doing the sprint afterwards probably by design to give you like yeah. the worst case scenario. Maybe. All I know is that the all the all three of the guys doing the test could not have done the test, like administrating it. Oh. There was no way. I was like, just, you do kinda, it. Is it kind of like hazing just to get like, there's so many people who try out, so they only get the people who are just really dedicated? I don't know about dedicated, like, because I was all in on doing it because I wanted to be a CPS officer. Um, but, I mean, it, it's a way of weeding I think it people meant, like, out. if like, you were physically capable. When I was uh, in, in sports in high school, like, they would, ha- like, they called it Hell Week, where it was, I mean, obviously it wasn't Hell Week like the, uh, the Navy SEALs. <laughs> the, yeah, like the special ops people. But that's what they called it. Like it was just, you know, pushing you to your physical limits just so people would quit because so many people tried out. They're yeah, just, no, but I wouldn't have. Like if they'd have said. It's pretty right. easy to do at the beginning of the season anyway because most people come off of summertime pretty out of shape. <laughs> but I don't call that dedication either, though, because like it wasn't a dedication issue. It was a I wasn't physically capable of doing oh. it. If they'd have oh, said, yeah. here, go try again, I would have tried again until I did it. Okay. But it was a you didn't do it, you're done. Hmm. Like I don't feel like that's a dedication thing. Yeah, in the slightest. Right. Yeah. yeah. But. Making me defend myself. What are you doing? I was trying to. I was trying to defend you in a way. <laughs> I was trying to defend you by saying you weren't dedicated. You to couldn't it. do it because you didn't want it bad enough. Yeah, you gotta want it, Josh. Okay. Yeah. I was saying you were a quitter. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing yeah. wrong with being a quitter. Quitters never finish. I mean, but technically, you can't fail if you never try. Can't, never could. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, if you're not first, you're last. Yeah, that's true. I like those guys though. Like, they may have all been like in way better shape than me, but they were some of the most encouraging dudes ever. Like, they were all standing there at the finish line because I was definitely like second to last. There was another guy who was like in really, really bad shape, and he he didn't finish. But like, they were at the finish line. They were like, "Yeah, come on!" Like, somebody like I feel like a true competitor is somebody that's comfortable enough that they can do that. Yeah. Like, if you're really strong and you know it, then like you're like, "Come on, let's go, let's get strong." Like, but if you're not. Or you're, you doubt how strong you are, you're a lot less likely to be that way. I think that's yeah. because like most people like at the peak of their sport, like that's not necessarily true. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger was just a complete douchebag. <laughs> yeah, Michael yeah. Jordan too. Yeah, Michael Jordan too. Ass. Okay, yeah. But there are a lot of like there are a lot of like strength athletes and people like that at like the top of their sports that are like really encouraging to like up and comers and stuff. And like they care about their sport, and they want their sport to get better, and that's how it gets better. That's true. But, yeah, a lot of people, like, are just so competitive that they just go over the top with it. Instead of being like, man, that, that dude obviously put in a lot of hard work. He deserves this if they if they lose. Also, like, if you're better, if, if my goal is to be as good as I can possibly be, and I know that my competition is getting better, then it also means that, like, I'm going to have to get better, too. So, like, it all contributes towards my goal, like, in the I end. I guess that's true, yeah. If, if you're capable of, like, seeing it that way and acting that way. But, yeah, I don't know. That's always interesting, like, the relationship yeah. between excellence and... That's an interesting question question too of like whether the motivation then is like being the best you can possibly be or if it's just winning or just being better than others exactly yeah yeah because those could very well lead to different different ways of approaching that yeah (laughs) i never heard it i never really heard it said like that before but i always like i think i've always kind of thought about it that way but that's interesting yeah Hmm. Hmm. i don't know i like encouragement i like when people do it i like being encouraged Sports needs to be fun too, or just you know physical feats. So you have to have some fun doing stuff. It can't just 
be like pure raw competition and hard work. Like you have to at least enjoy it. So you want others to enjoy it as well. At least that's the way I am. I don't know, man. There's definitely a contingent of people that want you to not enjoy the thing that they enjoy because it's special to them. Yeah, but that's a very right. hipster way to do it. That's a real <laughs> common mentality, though. Yeah, yeah. It that's is. why, like, they so, loved it first, so they loved it best. Yeah, it's like when you have, uh, I don't know. Okay, so good example. I played I played Daisy a lot when it first came out. Okay, um, and I still play it randomly, um, but like I would get on their forums, and it's a game based on Arma. I thought song. you said Daisy. No, Day. Z. Gotcha. Yeah, I totally yeah, the heard Daisy. Yeah, Sorry. The <laughs> like the flower. No, Day Z. It's a zombie game. And it's just like a, you just run around a server with other people and you kill zombies and try and kill them to survive. And yeah, survive. It's fun. But on their forums, I got, I eventually stopped getting on there because it was like, man, all these new players. I'm like, this is what you want. You want the game to succeed. But they would complain right. about how like, because that's how the servers stay on. Yeah. They would get mad about like, these, you know, these kids get on there and they're like, oh, this eight year old's on here. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just talking to the microphone, asking questions. I don't want to answer this stuff. And I'm like, this kid's the future of the game. Like, if you want your product to succeed, yeah. why are you being disparaging of people that are trying to jump on later in the game? But but worst case scenario... Yeah, gatekeeping. You, oh, I hate gatekeeping so you much. You could just leave them alone. Like, okay, I don't want to deal with them, so don't. Just go do your own thing. Right? Like, that's either encourage them or, or leave. Right? It doesn't <laughs> matter. Seems like a pretty, pretty simple uh, thought. Yeah, that's a very, like, short-sighted way to go about it because... People just like, especially when you're talking about games like that and stuff that has a full server that has to be maintained, there's just like a natural attrition rate where yeah. people stop playing for whatever reason. They don't have the time or they find something else. So you like need that constant influx of new people and new blood Yeah, to even keep it at the rate that it's going. For so. sure. Well, and you also see it in music too, like with a band that'll get popular. <laughs> like I really like Passion Pit. I got, pa- I got into Passion Pit after seeing Muse in concert and... I remember distinctly hearing someone at that concert complaining about all these people that were like posers for liking Passion Pit at that point. <laughs> they're like, "Oh, Passion Pit is getting too popular, man! All these posers coming in." And I was like, "If they're, a, if you enjoyed the music that this brand is putting out, like it doesn't matter at what junction point you found them. Like, you can't help that you weren't there when they started." You know? What if you felt like they were writing music differently because of their commercial success? And that had they stayed like not as successful. Sold but the thing is, that's that's not a that's not a commentary on the fans. That's a commentary on the band. No, he's saying, what if the fans jumped on at the point that you think they started selling? But out? then, well, then that's their their music is different. It doesn't it doesn't appeals to them now. It didn't that's appeal true. to them. Doesn't before. apply to you anymore. I guess you're the it's poser not, at that point. I guess it's not no. the fans' fault for you're the poser something. boy. <laughs> I was trying to make an argument for that. I was just saying. No, I I, I understand. I'm just I'm also just saying. <laughs> That's okay. We've gone an hour and ten minutes. Quick shout out to Randy Ayers Mendez. He's probably the biggest fan of the podcast, and he's a pretty good dude. So. I don't know. We're gonna make a shirt. We got Randy's my fans. homeboy. I just want to throw that out there. Uh, while we're doing while we're doing shout outs, I want to give a shout out to uh, the MS Group IT. Uh, Morel Sanders is a homie of mine who made our website. His website is msgroupit.com. Um, he hooked us up with server hosting and a bunch of other stuff. He's not paying us to say this. I'm just giving him a shout out because he did it and it was cool and he worked really well. Uh, it worked really well for us. So thank you, sir. Thanks, Morel. Thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll be back in two weeks, hopefully. Anybody Sweet. else want to say anything? Nope. Nope. Bye. <laughs> bye. <Bye-bye. laughs>